And if you've got your Bible, I want you to open to the Psalms, please. And we're going to look at the title this evening is The Cross, the Crook and the Crown. The Cross, the Crook and the Crown. Psalm 22, please. And what we're going to do is I'm going to give you an overall view of these uh, three Psalms. Psalm 22, Psalm 23, Psalm 24. And we're just going to pick through it because there's so much. And maybe if we feel led, God willing, and we're still here, uh, maybe we'll be able to do maybe part two and look into a little bit more deeper into one of the Psalms next week. So much to learn from just the overview of these Psalms together. So if you have your Bible with you, please turn with me to Psalm 22. And before we do any reading, I'm just going to ask you to keep your Bible open there. And we're going to buy in a word of prayer. Let us pray. Eternal Father, we thank you for everyone that's come on this evening to join us in our Bible study. And we pray, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, that you would enable me, Lord, to rightly divide the word of truth. And Lord, that you'd bless your people, encourage them. Those who are, Lord, at home and we're, we're thinking, Lord, of how we're inside a lot the, the, these last couple of weeks or so. And uh, Father, we, we thank you that you've given people a desire in their heart, even at home, Lord, not to just sit at a fireplace, to come on and to listen uh, to the Bible study tonight and to get into the Word of God, for it will fortify our spirits and our souls. We thank you, Father, for the Lord Jesus Christ, and we thank you for his precious blood. And Father, we pray for a cleansing and a covering of the blood of the Lamb. We ask you now, Lord, that you'd enable me to speak about your Son, to speak well of him and for him, and that you glorify your own worthy and precious name. Father, we love you because you first loved us. And we come to you as always in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. For his glory we ask it. Amen. Amen. Let me just go first before we do any reading. Let me give you a little overview of Psalm 22, Psalm 23, Psalm 24. Psalm 22 is prophetic about the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to hover around there more tonight than the others. Psalm 23 is the psalm that we all know well. Uh, it's mainly at funerals, but it's not only a funeral psalm. It's really a funeral of a testimony, a lifestyle of walking with God and God's faithfulness. So it's uh, the Psalm 22 is the, the psalm of the cross. Psalm 23 is the psalm of the crook. The Lord is my shepherd, the shepherd's crook. And Psalm 24 is the psalm of the crown. So you have the cross, the crook, and the crown. He is this king of glory, the Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Speaking of our Lord Jesus Christ, prophetic of him. So you have the cross, the crook, and the crown. Also, if we look at Psalm 23, because that's the psalm of the cross, that's the psalm of redemption or salvation. And so it's a psalm of redemption because Christ is on the cross. It's the psalm speaking of him bleeding on Calvary, taking our, our sin and paying our debt and so forth. So it's also the psalm of the cross, but it's a psalm of redemption or if you want salvation. And Psalm 23 is really the psalm of the work of sanctification. It's relationship, relationship with God. David's relationship with Yahweh. It's our relationship in Christ. And so he's the great shepherd of the sheep. And so we have sanctification in Psalm 23. So you have the cross and the crook. 
your salvation and sanctification. And then Psalm 24 is the psalm that we look toward, which is the one to come, as it were, when Christ returns. Who is this King of Glory? It's future where the Lord Jesus uh, is the King. And what it really is is glorification. So you have salvation, sanctification, glorification. Glorification, Psalm 24. So let me run you through it again. Psalm 22 is the cross, salvation. Psalm 23 is the crook, sanctification. And Psalm 24 is the crown, glorification. And when we apply that to the believer's life, we have our salvation where we're saved, when we're at the cross in repentance and by faith washed in the blood of the Lamb, we're saved, that's salvation or redemption. And then what we have then in Psalm 23 is our sanctification, our sanctification in Christ Jesus, walking with the Lord and sanctified life, overcoming the things of temptation of the world, the flesh and the devil. And then when we get to Psalm 24, we have glorification that Christ is glorified. He's ascended into heaven. He's glorified. And one day we will be, we have a, our body fashioned like unto his own glorious body. So there's our glorification when Christ returns. Okay, so here we're finding uh, salvation, sanctification and glorification. Now, before we move on, here's something else we want to look at this. The, an overview of these three Psalms. Psalm 22 is also the psalm where we are free from the penalty of sin. We're free from the penalty of sin. So that means that our sins are paid for. Our sins are washed away. We are cleansed from our sins. So we're free from the penalty of our sins because of the cross, which is our salvation in Psalm 22. In Psalm 23, we are free from the power of sin. Free from the power of sin. Free from the penalty of sin. Free from the power of sin. That's when we're living the sanctified life where the Lord Jesus is working in us. God is God's preservation or perseverance in the saints. Where God, even though we're failing, we're living an overcoming life. Under the blood, rising up to go on to, to perfect ourselves better. Not, not sin as perfection now, to perfect ourselves, to, to work harder, as it were, in our sanctification, walking with the Lord, away from the world, uh, putting away the things of the flesh, and of course, understanding the defeat of the devil. So there we have, we have a, a Psalm 22 is free from the penalty of sin, because Jesus paid it all. Free from the power of sin, because we're in Christ, and he's given us the power and the grace to live for him. And then in Psalm 24, when Christ returns and when our flesh is changed, when we get our new bodies, that's the glorification. When we get our new bodies, we are free from the presence of sin. Free from the presence. Because your body, like my body, your flesh, like my flesh, it gets weary when we maybe should be serving the Lord, seeking the Lord. Reading his word, our bodies are weak and we have to fight against that tiredness or maybe illness uh, and we have to fight against those to press into the Lord and uh, our, our pains in our bodies maybe it's a bit of a blockage between you and God sometimes when you're praying or when you're trying to seek his face and you give into it sometimes. I think we're all the same. And then there's the temptations of the flesh. We won't have the temptations 
because we'll be perfected in our Lord Jesus Christ. So here we have, free from the penalty of sin, Christ has paid our debt. Free from the power of sin because the perseverance and the preservation of the Spirit in us to go on with God and we will be free from the presence, the power of sin, free from the presence of sin. So now these, these Psalms, Psalm 22, uh, like all the Psalms, we, we have David's experiences are put in pen, but God has used those things that not only come in David's life and how he gets the victory over those things, but God uses these things for his glory and to have a relationship with God. So David's experiences are written throughout the Psalms and the humanness of David is just the whole way through his writings. And that gives us encouragement to know that David, uh, he failed, as we know, many times, but there was always an abundance of mercy and grace with God. And look, we don't walk in an open course of sin. We don't habitually, intentionally uh, sin with importunity and go deliberately to sin. We try to live that that life of Psalm 23, of sanctification and free from the power that sin has over us. We try and live that life according to the word and with the help of God. But we find that we are failures. We fail the Lord. But his grace enables us to go on in him. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanseth us from all sin. And so whenever we are looking at David, we see the humanness of David. We see the fragility uh, of how, how weak the flesh really is. How debased it can become. And we can see how debauched David was at times too. Yet he was a man after God's own heart. And so we see the wonderful, uh, the, the wonderful gift of grace in our God. Our loving Heavenly Father. And David expresses this in the Psalms. He expresses his fears, his anxieties. And his worries. He asks God's, God questions at times. Where we think we are so have to be in, shut in a box. Where we don't have to do these things. Or it's not right to do these things. But remember. Even in the words of the psalmist. He knoweth our frame that we are but dust. So he knows all about you. And he knows everything. About your thought life. Your actions. Your ways. Your deeds. Everything. But at the same time he loves you. And he loves you. Because he chose to love you. Notice here, in David's times, David's moments, in David's situations and in David's circumstances, we're told of that David is always a child of God. And David's troubles are penned. And that helps us in our troubles and in our times and in our circumstances. But I love it that the scriptures that David writes, the Psalms that David writes, all of the scripture, but we're talking about David here in particular, all that David writes, we find here that David is, is led by the Holy Spirit. Let me give you, uh, if, you might not be able to turn to all of these, some of the longer portions of scripture um, maybe we'll look at, but uh, 2 Samuel 23, this is what I love about the scriptures, they're just so honest. 2 Samuel chapter 23 and verse 1. David is called the anointed of the God of Jacob. The sweet psalmist of Israel. You see here he's playing his heart, harpies. He's writing his psalms and he's singing while he's playing. And he's playing while he's, while he's singing. And so he's called the anointed 
of the God of Jacob. I think it's beautiful. I think it's amazing. And then he's called the sweet psalmist of Israel. Now listen to verse 2 of 2 Samuel 23. The spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. Now I want to build a case up for these psalms that we're looking at. Psalm 22, Psalm 23, Psalm 24. Notice what it says again. 2 Samuel 23 and verse 2. The spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. David writes. Now, David was all of this, but he was a human being. David was a man whom God spoke through. David's greater son, the Lord Jesus Christ, for he came from the lineage of David. David's uh, greater son, the Lord Jesus, was not a man whom God spoke through, but he was, a, he was God who took on the form of a man. Very, very different. Very, very different. So in Psalm 22, Psalm 23 and 24, it may well reflect these periods in David's life, but it also reflects not only David's darkest moments, but it reflects David's joyous moments because God had answered prayer. Some of the Psalms, you think there's no hope for David. And then later you find David is rejoicing, either in that one and self-same Psalm or else in, a, in another psalm shortly after that. And you compare, it's like two different men. It's like how you are and how I am at times. Um, we have to be honest in, in our walk with Christ. It shows the fragility and the weakness of David, but it shows the power and the strength of God. It shows the sinfulness of human frame, but it shows the holiness of a holy and almighty God. Psalm 23 and verse 2 then. The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. Let me build this up a bit before we get to Psalm 22. So here, this is, the, 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 all scripture is inspired by God. By the inspiration of God, it's by the breath of God, it's God breathed. And notice here, the psalmist is saying, yes, I am uh, anointed, and the Spirit is speaking through me. Listen to what Revelation 19 and verse 10 says. And it's toward the end of the verse. It says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now you might wonder, what on earth does that exactly mean? Well, Volvrud writes, and I want to say, tell you what he writes because I thought he said it well. He writes, this means that prophecy at its very heart is designed to unfold the beauty and the loveliness of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And prophecy does that. Prophecy unfolds. All the prophets spoke of him. And it's the same in Psalm 22, speaks of the cross. Psalm 23 speaks of the crook, the shepherd. And Psalm 24 speaks of the crown. The king. Okay, so yeah, and here we have to see in amongst this, we have on the cross, we have the Savior, we have the shepherd in Psalm 23, and then we have the sovereign in Psalm 24. So much in it. So that's why we're just doing a bit of an overview this evening. Again, to, to show the prophetic utterance of the scriptures in Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 21. 
Second Peter 1 verse 21. Peter writes, For prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Now I'm told that in one of the uh, translations that uh, uh, holy men spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost means they were born along. They were born along by the Holy Spirit. And so as they're being born along, it's like they're being carried in the Spirit and they're saying, they're writing these things. David is one of those holy men of old time that wrote this. For example, again, trying to build this picture and again, trying to clarify on this, we have in Mark chapter 12 and in verse 36, the Lord Jesus Christ himself speaks of David here. Mark 12 and verse 36, he says, For David himself said by the Holy Ghost. Now, notice this is the Lord Jesus saying this. For David himself said by the Holy Ghost, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. So the Lord Jesus is looking back at King David, maybe eight, near a thousand years before, before his day. And he's saying, David spake, the Lord, Yahweh, said unto my Lord, David says, my Lord. So David, is, is, the Lord said unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the Father speaking through unto the Lord Jesus Christ, David's Lord, David's greater son. Sit thou on my right hand. And we know the Lord Jesus Christ has ascended and seated at the right hand of the majesty on high, seated at the right hand of the Father. Or in the place of power and authority it means. And so here he says they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Or David was moved by the Holy Ghost. And so he uttered these prophetic utterances. Why am I telling you this? Because in Psalm 22, 3 and 4 we are finding here. We want you to see that this is God speaking about himself or his son. The Lord Jesus Christ. Charles Haddon Spurgeon. I thought this was good, but he said, listen, this was beautiful. He said, David and his afflictions may be here in a very modified sense. But as the star is concealed by the light of the sun, he who sees Jesus will probably not care to see David. I don't think he means any disrespect to David by saying that. But really, when you look at Psalm 22, for example, and we see David, we can read, David, what has happened in your life? What is going on here with you? What are you thinking of, David? But when you realize that this is the anointed, the anointing upon David to write this psalm, the Holy Spirit shows us the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, in the psalm. So Psalm 22 is the psalm of the cross. Psalm 23 is the psalm of the crook. Psalm 24 is the psalm of the crown, the cross, the crook, and the crown. Psalm 22, that that that, that saviour. Uh, psalm 23, that shepherd, and Psalm 24 is that sovereign. I think it's fantastic. It's marvelous. But notice here, we'll look at these in a moment. But I'm I'm building more of a case with you. In our readings here, once you see the Lord Jesus Christ. David starts to fade into the background, nearly into oblivion, because all you can see is Jesus. And really in the scriptures, that's when, when the Holy Spirit takes you, that's all you can see. 
Psalm 22, I can't really see David in it. All I can see is the Saviour. All I can see is the Redeemer. All I can see is our Goel kinsman, the Lord Jesus Christ, Yahshua. That's all I can see. I see Christ, Christ, and Christ alone. And so that's what the Spirit is doing with us here before we look a little further into these. And when we look at them as well, what it does is when you see Jesus rather than David, because of the Spirit is showing you Jesus rather than David, what you'll find is there's a greater sense of pain upon the Son of God than has been on David. This is Calvary. There's a, a, a greater sense of darkness that surrounded the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, than David. Because, again, the Lord Jesus even said, this is your hour in the power of darkness, when they arrested him to bring him to Calvary. And then, of course, there's a greater sense of, of wrath upon the Son of God because the Father poured out his wrath upon the Lord Jesus Christ on Calvary that you and I would be free who are saved from the wrath. In Psalm 22, you see a greater communion and fellowship. When you see past David as a shepherd and the sheep, when you see past you and I, and we see the shepherd himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. We see a greater union between him, the Lord Jesus, and his father. We see that the union that was never, as it were, broken, if I can use it that way. But for when he was on Calvary's train and on Psalm 22 and verse 1, he cries, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Which he, which he it says it in Psalm, uh, pardon me, Matthew 27. So it's greater upon Christ than what it is on David. And it's greater upon Christ than what it is on us or David. And then again in Psalm 24. The glory of the risen, exalted, ascended, glorified Christ, the Son of God, is greater than any man's glory because he has paid it all. He has done it all. And our Lord Jesus is now exalted above all. He's head and shoulders, as it were, above all on earth but he's above all higher than the heavens seated at the right hand of god so here we see this overview of of the psalms 22 23 24 the cross the crook and the crown the cross here let's just look at some verses and uh, i'm not going to go into actual deep studies into actual one psalm at a time would take too long and again, maybe we'll do something next week, the Lord willing. But for example, the cross, uh, we see him as the Saviour in verse 23, just for a few verses uh, of Psalm 22. Psalm 22, he's on the cross, as it were. And verse 23, Ye that fear the Lord, praise him. All ye seed of Jacob, glorify him. And fear him, all ye the seed of Israel. For he hath not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, Neither hath he hid his face from him, but when he cried unto him, he heard. My praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. I will pay my vows before them that fear him. The meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek him. Your heart shall live forever. There's our salvation. There's a, because of the cross work of Christ, the finished work 
the precious shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's our salvation. Then if you go to Psalm 23, again, just for a verse or two, and it's the first two verses that we're all well rehearsed in. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Here is the shepherd leading the flock. So here is our sanctification. Salvation, sanctification. The cross, the crook. For the shepherd's crook. And then when we get to Psalm 24. In Psalm 24 we have the, the psalm of the crown. The cross 22, the crook 23. The crown is in Psalm 24. And if let's just read again from verse 7. Verse 7. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the King of glory. Here we find Psalm 22 is our Saviour and our Sovereign. That's the Psalm of the Cross. Psalm 23, we have uh, the Shepherd and the Crook. And notice here, we have the Crown of the Sovereign. Who is the King of Glory? The Lord of Hosts, He is the King of Glory. Selah. And we should thought, think about this. Pause for a minute. So now, Whenever we look at the opening title of Psalm 22, we're going to look a little bit more just at this uh, for the rest of this evening. Psalm 22's opening title. Now, everything is there for a reason. Every word is there for a reason. So the psalmist says here, at the very opening title of Psalm 22, to the chief musician upon Aitaleph, Shahar, a psalm, of David. Now notice that's important. So some some uh, some people better and more intelligent than me they wonder well is it worthwhile trying to unpack this title? I believe it's there all of it is for a reason and they do many do but the, the, the title needs looked at for this reason. First of all it's the Psalm of the Cross and the word here is Ahileth and Shachar, these two words are important. Ahileth means hind, H-I-N-D, H-I-N-D, or, or as, as a deer, the animal, the deer. So uh, uh, Ahileth is hind or deer. Shachar means dawn, morning, or day spring. So it means the first light of dawn, the morning, or day spring. Now this is uh, this isn't too strange because this, the scriptures really talk about these things. And in Luke chapter one, now we'll turn together with this. This is a longer reading. In Luke chapter one, and if you turn with me to Luke chapter one and verse sixty-seven, verse sixty-seven, and let's read from there. And his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Ghost. Notice, filled with the Holy Ghost. Remember talking about the Holy Spirit? The inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. 
and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Notice the linking here. As he, ha- as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which we have been which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thy child shall be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercies of God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the deserts until the day of his showing unto Israel. Notice here, it's the anointing of the Spirit, Zacharias says all of these things. He mentions the holy prophets that we have already spoke of. And now he's speaking of John the Baptist who will prepare the way for the coming of the Saviour, the day spring, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so is to give light to those that sit in darkness. Now notice here, notice here, remember the word in Psalm 22 and the very opening titles. The words are Ayelath Shachar. And Shachar means dawn, morning, day spring. It actually gives the idea to rise in the east as the sun rises in the east. So the early morning sun in the east. Here, the only it's in, in the, the Greek tense rather than the Hebrew. Here we find that Zacharias, he's saying, Jesus is the day spring. So the title of Psalm 22, being the psalm of the cross, the psalm of salvation, what is it? It's the psalm about the day spring. The psalm of the day spring. So for example, um, in Second Peter chapter 1 and in verse 19. Peter says, We have a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto, notice, a light. What did Zacharias say about the day spring and the light that rises in the east that will shine upon Israel? Notice this, that you do well that you take heed unto a light that shineth in a dark place. Until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. The word arise there is the root word for day spring that Zacharias uses in Luke chapter 1 and verse 78. So the day spring is, is the word anatola. And here the word arise in Second Peter 1 and 19 is the word anatello. So there's the root word. And it means the same. Really gives the idea of that early part of the day. To rise like the sun in the east. We know the sun rose in the east and it shone on the temple in Jerusalem into, as it were, where the, the, the court, outer court was and towards the Holy of Holies. And so that would have lit, lit up the, the temple, the, uh, the, the outer surroundings of the temple, it would have lit up the curtain area and so on. And Christ would have seen that when he was crucified. 
He was crucified. Looking at that from the east, I've done a teaching on that, uh, the the on the on where was Jesus crucified? And I believe it was Gethsemane, it or the Mount of Olives, I should say, and um, that it wasn't um, Gordon's Calvary or, or the Holy Church of the Holy Sepulchre, but it, rather it was the Mount of Olives. He was in the east, looking back to westward at the temple, seeing the veil of a curtain torn. This is where the day spring comes up. This is where the sun comes up and shines in upon the temple. So notice this. If you're wondering, how do we know then that this is still all inspired? Here's a little thing for you. There are, I'm told there are approximately 322 distinct Old Testament prophecies. Now, distinct ones about the Lord Jesus Christ. And then I'm told that he has fulfilled over 300 up to date. And there are uh, so many hundred now in the New Testament as well. Uh, I think it's 200 or, that have to yet be fulfilled. There's, there was a man, in, uh, he was a professor. And this professor was called Peter Stoner. And he, he, he did a calculation. What would it be like? Um, how hard would it be? What would be the odds, if we can put it that way, for someone, one man, to be able to fulfill, are you ready? Eight. Eight. Not 300. Eight. One man to fulfill eight of these. What would be the odds of that happening? So he went through his calculations. And this is what he came up with. He said this would be um, 10 uh, to, the, to the 17th power. Now what does that mean? It's big numbers that I can hardly know of as well. It gives the idea if you have a, knot, a one and 17 knots behind it. There's your number. It's after a quadzillion, I think it is. Um, and so after the quadzillion, um, it's, there's another word after that, which I'm not sure of it because there's all these big numbers, but that's what it is. And so it gives the idea that the Lord Jesus Christ would be um, fulfilling 300 of these, but for one man to do eight, he put it in layman's terms for people like me. He says, take the, the, the state of Texas in the United States. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to Texas. I've driven across parts of it and not fully the full length of it. It is massive. I don't know the size of it. I have friends in the States, somewhere in Texas. Maybe they could tell us, give us an idea. But he says to calculate this would be like to get silver dollars. So for our money, let's say between, I think the silver dollars of it, bigger maybe than a five pence piece maybe a ten pence piece or a little smaller so say ten pence piece he says to get a silver dollar ten pence piece mark one just put a mark on one of them and he says you fill the whole state of texas two feet high the whole state covered the whole surface covered two feet high in silver dollars Put this one dollar that you've marked, drop it somewhere where no one knows where it is, mix them all up, blindfold a man while you're doing it, send him into Texas and tell him you've one chance, you've one go at getting this one marked silver dollar. He says, therein 
lies the odds of one man fulfilling these eight. These eight prophecies that Christ has done. He has fulfilled over 300 to date. That's direct ones about him. So how inspired is the scriptures? How, how, how much can you depend on them? You can depend your soul on them. You can depend on them fully. So Psalm 22, the title, Ayelath Shachir, means the hind or the deer of the morning. It gives the idea of one coming on the mountain or in, in, the, in the distance, one coming up over the hill. And so here from the east, in Song of Solomon, had me thinking, Song of Solomon chapter 2. Song of Solomon chapter 2, verses 7 to 9. I've written it down just for time's sake. Mark it down, you can read it later, or you can catch up with me as I'm reading it. Song of Solomon chapter 2, verses 7 to 9. And I'd said in another message before, this is, this is Yahweh with uh, his bride Israel. This, this is, uh, this is uh, Solomon and the Shulamite and they're what they, what they have in life. But the spiritual context of it is, is Yahweh and Israel. And then in the new context we have them redeemed, uh, the redeemed saints with um, the Lord Jesus Christ or Yahshua. And notice here in Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 7. Listen to what the Shulamite, or what we should be singing or saying. We can remember, even in our times when we get saved, I mean, it's, our hearts skip the beat. We, we, we think about it and how much we love him. And it says, I charge you, O ye daughters of Jerusalem, by the rose, notice, and by the hinds of the fields, there's the hind, that you stir not up, nor awake my love, till he please. Now the, the the love or the the loved one, the Lord Jesus Christ, don't stir him up or wait till he please. Why? Because the sun hadn't come up in the east yet. The sun was the the rising of the day spring or to come up in the east. Verse eight: The voice of my beloved, behold, he cometh, leaping upon the hills, skipping upon the mountains. Here he comes. The first signs of salvation when we first met the Lord Jesus Christ. And here he comes again, only to be from heaven again, he will come. Notice this. Skipping upon the hills, my beloved is like a roe or a young heart. He's like a young deer. Now here's the thing. So it's the morning. This is Psalm 22. Remember, the Psalm of the Cross, the Psalm of Salvation. Psalm 22. And when we think of this, so in Jerusalem, they had the those who watched for the morning. Uh, my soul waits or watches for those who watch for the morning. And the morning star would come up, that is the sun would come up and the first beams, the day star or the day spring, the first beams of light would shine toward the temple. And that's speaking of Christ. But now I notice this, they would have had a morning sacrifice and an evening sacrifice. The Lord Jesus Christ was crucified at, well, what would be our 9 a.m. in the morning? They started preparing as soon as it was day at the morning. Crucified in the morning. And then he was, he, he died around 3 p.m. our time, which would be their evening. And I, I want to read you a scripture here, and it's from Exodus chapter 29, verses 38 and 39. Exodus chapter 29, verses 38 and 39. 
Now this is that which, which thou shalt offer upon the altar. Notice, two lambs of the first year, day by day continually. So this was to be a continuing sacrifice. The book of Hebrews speaks about this, the continuing sacrifice. But now, can't take away sin. This temple was destroyed because Christ had paid it all. He was the final lamb. But notice two lambs, day by day. Verse 39, the one lamb shalt thou offer in the morning, and the other lamb thou shalt offer at even, or at evening. It's uh, This was known as the Ola Timnyad. And it meant that, the, and the word Ola Timnyad means the ascent, um, or the stairway, or the steps toward God. And the idea of this was, is the morning sacrifice, there would have been a burnt sacrifice. And it was a praise toward God. It was like ascending, the smoke ascending, the, the odor, the, the scent ascending up to God. First sacrifice. And the second sacrifice then was an offering uplifting to God. Now in Psalm 113, in verse 3. So you have two, one in the morning, one in the evening. The Lord Jesus Christ, morning and evening. Crucified about nine, died about three. So that's about their morning and evening. Now I notice this. Psalm 113 and verse 3 says, And we know this so well. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. This, the thing about this is the rising of the sun, the day spring. Until the going down, that's morning offering. Evening offering, this is what this is. The morning offering of the lamb. The evening offering of the lamb, the going down. Praising the Lord. This burnt offering through the day into the evening. So what we find here is, is that the psalmist is saying from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the names, the Lord's name is to be praised. Psalm 141 and verse 2. Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense, like the first lamb, the burnt offering starts to go up as incense. Notice that that stairway, as it were, climbs up toward heaven, the incense, where we can't reach. Heaven had to come down. But notice Psalm 141 verse 2. Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense. There's the first offering. Remember Psalm 22 and verse 1. Here's the Lord's prayer. The Lord Jesus cried on the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Here's it sending into heaven. Looking for this help from the Father. And then Psalm 141 verse 2. The second part is. Let me read it all. Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. As the lifting up of the hands. Christ's hands were stretched forth as though lifted up the, towards his Father. And in the evening, he pulled himself up on the cross and he cried, he, he, he cried, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. It is finished, he cried his sentences from the cross. So here is the, the, the lifting of the hands before God. It's all been done. Psalm 113 verse 3. Psalm 141 and verse 2. And Exodus 29 verses 38 and 39. But you go on and on. It's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. He's done it all. So Psalm 22 certainly is the psalm. The psalm of the cross. And the psalm of the cross our sins have separated from our God. That's what Isaiah 59, 
Verse 2 says, For your sins have separated between you and your God. In Romans 5 and 10, we have our reconciliation. It tells us that we are reconciled to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You can look these up and, and I'm just um, putting them out there. Acts, I'll look this one off for you. Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3 and <clears throat> verse 21. Acts 3 and 21. Listen to what it says. In fact, let's go to verse 19. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Verse 19 of Acts chapter 3. Notice there we're told, repent. Then there's refreshing. Then in verse 20, he's going to send the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21, heaven must receive him until the times of restitution. Now the word restitution is a word apocalypsis. Pardon me, apocalyptasis. And, and what it really means is, is to make, as it were, before. And what does that mean? It means to make, as it were, before Adam's fall. Before Adam's sin and death came. It's also used in another sense um, in Matthew 12 and 13 when the man with the withered hand came to the Lord and he, the Lord told him to stretch forth his hand and he stretched forth his hand and it says and his hand was made whole or restored uh, like as unto the other. It's the, same, it's the same root word from it. In other words, this hand, the withering stopped and grew out to made whole again. So when Christ comes... He's going to restore all things. He's going to restore. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth after kingdom age. So notice that's our glorification in that too. That's our glorification in that too. So let me try and finish this study off for you if I can. Psalm 22 is the psalm of the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of of my roaring. Notice here uh, we are finding that the Lord Jesus Christ, he is uh, crying unto his Father. He's taken the penalty of our sin. He's as a man hanging and bleeding uh, in agony. And of course in Matthew 27 and in verse 46, Mark 15 and verse 34, they record this prayer. So here we have it in the New Testament, the Lord Jesus doing it. And in Psalm 22, verses 1 to 22, Christ fulfills all these prophetic utterances. So he's really, as prophet in here, he's fulfilling. And then from verse 22 and to 25, in Psalm 22, he's then fulfilling a, a priestly role. And then in Psalm 22, verses 25 to 31, he's fulfilling a kingly role. There's his threefold office, prophet, priest, and king. So much in this. Now you see why we can't go into it all. But let me just read this as we point this out and finish. Let me finish here. Psalm 65 and verse 2 says, O thou that hearest prayer, unto thee shall all flesh come. And here's the man, Christ Jesus, praying to his Father. He was forsaken that you might be brought in. He is forsaken that you and I might be forgiven. He took the wrath of God 
He took our punishment. He took our place as our substitute. That we would be set free. That we would not be under wrath. Not under punishment. That we would be forgiven. And every man and woman who are saved by grace through faith in Christ are under grace. They are they are saved. They are never going to stand in that judgment. In that punishment. I trust you're saved tonight. I trust you're Christ's. I trust you're his. Notice, just as we skip through this, we have the power of darkness from, uh, as it were, from verses 1 to 21, and then we have the spread of joy from verses 22 to 31. And the real spread of it is really that Christ is risen from the dead and he's victorious over everything. Let's just read, I'm just going to throw a few things out there, Psalm 22, and we'll round this up. For example, we've looked at verse 1. And if you let your eye then just run down to verse 6. He says, But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people. You know what the Lord says? Jacob, thou art a worm. Thy worm, Jacob, he calls him. Here he is, the worm Jacob, as it were, from Jacob's seed, Jacob's flesh. Here he is, he becomes flesh, a man. The Lord Jesus is our kinsman. Here he is, he's a worm of Jacob. Here, glory to a tree being a worm. It's actually the taller worm, by the way, which used to go under the tree when it had young. It stuck to the tree, and whilst it died, it, it, it was red dye came of it and, and dyed the tree red. And that's the, the worm here that's spoken of, the taller worm. And it covered its babies with it, that they would grow. Now, what Christ done with his blood for us, he became a, a man, a great stoop where he came down for us. We know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that we through his poverty might be made rich. He came to die for us, that we might be rich, that is, rich in him, rich in spirit, salvation and blessing and redemption. And so, notice as we go on here, verse 7, All they that see me laugh at me to scorn. They shoot out the lip, they shake the head, saying, He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him it's not what they said around the cross you can read that for example matthew 27 and uh, verses 39 to 43 where they were mocking and scorning the lord and they even said at one time he's calling on elijah when he said eloi lama sabachthani my god my god why has i forsaken me oh he's calling for elijah but he wasn't will you see if elijah will come and save him and then if we go on down just briefly Notice it says in verse 14, here's his sufferings. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like, well, like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. And thou hast brought me unto the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I tell all my bones, they look and stare upon me. Isn't that the cross exactly? No, I see, we can think of, wow, David, you've went through a hard time here. But remember, David's fading into the background because all of this is through the spirit of prophecy. It's the testimony of Jesus. And this is the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's a greater depth of pain and suffering that David could ever, ever experience or you could experience or I. We'll never know what he's done for us and it's fullness. For dogs have compassed me in verse 16. That's the Roman soldiers. For dogs have compassed me. 
the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. The assembly of the wicked were the Jewish leaders. That was the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The high priests. And then it says, they pierced my hands and my feet. And I'm told at this time when this was written, there was no piercing of the feet at crucifixion. Just the hands. How accurate, how accurate is the Holy Spirit as it were pushing the pen as it were of David. Notice what it says in verse 18. They part my garments among them. They cast lots upon my vesture. Isn't that what they did with the Lord's seamless cloak, his coat? They cast lots upon his vesture. You know, we could go on and on with this. But let your eye run down to verse 27. All the ends of the world and all the kindreds of the nations shall worship before thee. Here's his coming. They'll bow at his feet. He'll rule with a rod of iron. And notice this. For the kingdom is the Lord's and he is the governor among the nations. All they that be fat upon the earth shall eat and worship. And all they that go down to the dust shall bow before him and none can keep alive his own soul. You can't save your soul and you can't keep yourself alive. And try and stay healthy. But one day death will find all of us and those who are in the dirt or the dust will stand before him one day. A seed shall serve him and shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. They shall come and shall declare his righteousness unto a people that shall be born that he hath done this. People that shall be born, that's you and me. That's us. We'll serve him in righteousness, his righteousness on us. So Psalm 22, the psalm of the cross. Psalm 23, the psalm of the crook, the shepherd. And Psalm 24, the psalm of the crown. 22 is the saviour. 23 is the shepherd. 24 is the sovereign. 22, we are saved from the penalty of sin. 23, we are saved from the power of sin. 24, we are, we will be saved from the presence of sin. Salvation, 22. 23, sanctification. Psalm 24, glorification. When we receive our bodies to be fashioned like unto his own glorious body. So there you go. That's an overview of those three Psalms. I trust it's been a blessing. I trust it's helped you in some way. Maybe you've learned things that you haven't known before or heard before but you can watch it again if you can if you can uh, have the time or if you have the will to sit through all of that again but you can watch it again learn more from it and god willing maybe next week we'll look at psalm 23 and bring something more out of that we'll see how the lord leads may god bless you thank you for coming on thank you for sharing and we just thank you for being faithful will you bow with me in a word of prayer father Again, we just thank you for everyone that's heard tonight and that will hear from on, from now on. And we pray for your blessing to be upon them and to be with them. We pray, Lord, for what, what, whether they're ahead of us in, in, the, in, the, in time or behind us in time, we pray for every single one, Father. We ask you, Lord, to meet them at their point of their need. And at this time of this uh, pandemic, of this COVID-19, we pray for the health and strength of your people. And we also pray, Father, that you 
would intervene and lift this off us, Lord. And Lord, have mercy uh, upon us. Thank you for your grace and your strength and your comfort and your encouragement. And Father, I just pray, Lord, for again, for all those who are on frontline services, all those who are nursing, all those who are nursing homes and nursing staff, doctors, nurses, paramedics, general practitioners, Lord, those who are even uh, cleaners and all who have anything to do of the cogs of the wheel of this operation. We pray for them, for their health and for their healing. And we ask you in Jesus' name, Father, that you would minister to them to their fears and anxieties and worries and calm their hearts. And Lord, would you put a shield and a hedge of protection around every one of them. Lord, protect our families and our loved ones, our children and our babies, our young and our old. And Lord, we pray that you have us back worshipping in our own sanctuaries again together with people of like mind and like faith. Until then, Lord, we tell you we worship you and there's none like you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.